Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Nihongo Master Podcast. I'm your host Azra, and as we are at the middle of the season, we're going to have more of an overview of a very popular collection of Japanese mannerisms in this episode, and that's those for travelers. See, Japanese mannerisms are abundant, and some might say that there are a bit too many to remember in a short period of time for a short trip. The other episodes in this season are zoomed into various etiquette categories, like greetings and table manners. And of course, they are just as important as the ones I'll mention today. But this special long mid-season episode is for those in a rush to get into the minimal Japanese manners mood for that week-long Japan trip we all hope to be on this year, like finally. There are three parts of this episode, public manners, indoor manners, and holy grounds etiquette. Oh, and there's a bonus language section at the end, kind of like a brief survival Japanese that can really boost your Japanese manners mood during a trip. Shall we get into it? The first category of mannerisms for travellers we're going to touch on is public manners. This is arguably the most important category in this collection of manners. How you act in public, like public transportation, or the park, or heck, just on any street, is a tad different from what you might be used to. The concept of public and private in Japan can be quite different than other cultures. So if you don't exactly know if it's a private or public space, just treat it as public just to be safe. I mean, of course, your apartment or hotel is definitely private, duh. Anyway, in Japanese culture, unspoken rules are a big thing, and everyone abides by them. There are tons of unspoken rules for how to act in public. But don't worry, I'll loop you in on the three most important ones. Now, the first one is to keep your volume down in public spaces, or kōkyō no basho in Japanese. The Japanese people are really mindful of their space, especially when out in public. Speaking in high volume is not encouraged in Japan, as you would affect others around you. This is seen as respecting the space that you share with other strangers. When you're with a group of people, try your very best to keep your volume down. Now this is especially so when on public transport like densha, train. Even when you're alone, you're expected to not blast music too loud on your headphones, as this might disturb the person next to you. So if you can't even do that, that means speaking on the phone is also a big no-no. In fact, you'll hear announcements to turn your phone to mana modo, which is silent mode, when on trains. It's quite a unique Japanese etiquette, I reckon. Imagine a packed train in Tokyo, the busiest city in Japan, being extremely silent that you can hear a pin drop. The next unspoken rule in public spaces is the queuing system. Oh god, the Japanese love their queues! They queue for the ramen shop, outside of a store before it opens, and even for the escalators and lifts. I mean, even on street pavements and public transport platforms, there are signs to indicate which side to stick to or where to queue so as to not cross paths and walk into each other. Sasuga ne, Nihon. Japan is known for its order and abiding citizens, isn't it? So with that in mind, follow the queue system for everything in Japan. Just narabu, or queue for everything. I think this etiquette is extremely convenient during rush hours and crowded streets. Fall in line and you won't have to dodge people's shoulders like it's a game of dodgeball. Now, the third rule of this category is to not eat and drink while walking on the streets. I'm not the most law-abiding citizen when it comes to this, but trust me when I tell you I get more than a few disapproving looks when I do. This is because when you do this, it's considered as disrespecting others walking in the same area as you. That being said, don't drink or eat on trains either, 
for the exact same reason. No, but if you're on a long-distance train ride like a Shinkansen, the bullet train, you're actually encouraged to eat. Sometimes, there are even workers pushing food trolleys down the alley throughout your ride. Now, this raises the question, what if you're hungry or thirsty? Japan is scattered with convenience stores, or konbini in Japanese, and vending machines. And the Japanese would eat or drink there and then. Spend a bit of time in Japan and you would notice that they would be standing outside the store and finishing their food before walking. This is the same for cans from the vending machines. Finish up your food or drink before continuing walking. So, public manners are pretty much all about respecting the public space and others who are using them. Let's summarize it as that. Here's a quick vocab recap. Kokyo no basho. Public space. Kokyo is public and basho means place. Densha. Train. Manamodo. Silent mode. Sasuga, as expected. Narabu, to queue. Konbini, convenience stores. Shinkansen, Japanese bullet trains. Now, we're moving on to indoor manners. You might think you wouldn't need this, because you think you wouldn't be in someone's house during your time in Japan. But trust me, this also applies to ryokan, which are traditional Japanese hotels, and events like tea ceremonies. Similarly, we'll look at three rules in this category. The first one is a crucial one to remember whenever entering any indoor space, and that is to leave your shoes at the door. Some of us come from cultures and countries where it's normal to wear your outdoor shoes in your house, but in Japan, there's a very clear distinction between soto, outside, and uchi, inside. In fact, you might find yourself taking off your footwear quite often, Traditional places like shrines and temples, ryokan and izakaya, and even restaurants would require you to take off your shoes before entering. If you don't know if you need to take them off, ask a staff member. You could also observe the people around you to see if they're taking off their shoes. Oftentimes, when entering an indoor space, you'll be, you will find a genkan, which is the entrance area. This bit is considered as soto, even though you're indoors and it's where you remove or put back on your outdoor shoes. The indoor space is usually elevated and can be covered by a different type of flooring, so that's your best way to differentiate the two. In some cases, you'll be given indoor shoes, most likely slippers. I've picked up the habit of wearing indoor shoes in my home too. Now, the next rule isn't exactly a hard and fast rule, but it's linked to the first one. Wear socks if possible, because they'll be on display quite a bit. Some places don't offer indoor slippers, and the Japanese believe that having socks on in the house is better than bare feet, so as to not carry dust around. But hey, like I said, not a must-do. The one time you should definitely consider wearing socks is when you're visiting a traditional indoor space. Say, for example, you're going to a traditional tea ceremony in Japan. Most of the time, these events are taking place in a tatami mat room, and it's better to walk on tatami with socks so as to not damage the flooring. Oh, and a bonus for you. You might want to take note that during this event, you ought to sit in the seiza position, which is considered the proper way of sitting for the Japanese, where you're in a sort of kneeling position, with the bottom resting on the heels of your feet. Now, the third rule for indoor spaces is to take note of bathroom slippers. Sometimes in bathrooms, there will be bathroom slippers there. 
In this case, leave your, leave your house slippers, if you have them on, outside the bathroom and switch for the bathroom slippers when you enter. Don't forget to switch back after you're done. It's extremely common for foreigners to wear the bathroom slippers all the way back to the dining table. But don't worry, no one will fault you for that. It's an extremely common mistake. So, if you keep these three points in your head, you probably won't offend anyone indoors. Now, for a quick vocab recap. Uchi, inside. Soto, outside. Ryokan, traditional Japanese inn. Izakaya, Japanese-style pub. Genkan, the entrance bit in homes and other types of establishments. Seiza, the proper way of sitting in Japanese culture. By the way, if you haven't checked out our official website yet, why not give it a browse? At Nihongo Master, we offer efficient Japanese lessons that are quick, easy, and fun for Japanese language learners of all levels, from beginners to advanced. Our smart tools will assist you in areas where you need a little bit of a push and congratulate you on the ones you waste. With a community of over 50,000 Japanese students, you're not alone on your learning journey. Make new friends and improve together with our point system, collecting points as you go along. Ask away any questions you have on our group discussion pages. There's sure to be others as well as our Japanese instructors that are quick to answer. You can also take Nihongo Master with you on the go and learn Japanese as you trot the globe. Practical, right? Moving on to the third category of Japanese mannerisms for travellers, and that's when you're visiting holy grounds. See, there are a lot of dera, temples, and jinja, shrines, in Japan. So many that you might even find yourself on holy ground without even realising. Now, you might not find these pointers on any of the articles you googled online, because these three tips are from my own personal experience and observation. Don't I get points for exclusive content? Anyway, the first rule of this category is, don't touch anything. I know, curiosity kills the cat, but refrain from mindlessly touching things you don't know about on holy grounds. No, it isn't because of any spooky spooky reason, but more of respect. If there's something on holy grounds that looks unique and intriguing, it's because it's meant to be there for a purpose, and that's not for you touching. You can admire something's beauty without having your fingerprints all over them. But of course, there are also things that you can touch, and oftentimes there are signs to signal that you can. I've visited my fair share of temples and shrines where they're more like open-air museums. There's so many things on display. I had to resist the urge to touch everything though, so I'm not perfect either, guys. The next thing to remember when visiting holy grounds is that it's okay to ask if you don't know something. In fact, I recommend asking. Say, for example, you want to know if something is okay to touch. We're linking it to the first point here. Go up to any official staff worker on premises and ask them. Of course, in that case, it might be a bit difficult as some of them don't know English that well. We'll get into that in a bit at our language section later. In smaller, more local temples and shrines, there aren't that many signs that explain things. So I found myself always asking if I could enter a space or if I should take off my shoes. Basically, any shitsumon or question you have in your head, it's so much better to get that clarified instead of wandering around and potentially misstepping. Now, the last rule, the general rule, is to behave respectfully. The first two points actually fall under this one, because if you think about it, 
The reasoning behind those two rules is because you're respecting the holy grounds. If you're entering a church or a mosque, you're going to behave respectfully, just naturally, right? Similarly, with teras and jinjas, you should do the same. Things like keeping quiet, whisper instead of talking at a normal volume if you want to talk to your friend, observe what others are doing to give you a sense of what you can do. So as long as your actions are out of songke, or respect, on the holy grounds, and in Japan in general, you really don't have to worry as much. Here's a quick vocab recap. Tera, temple. Jinja, shrine. Shitsumon, question. Sonke, respect. Now we have the bonus section, and that's the survival Japanese language that is going to boost your mannerisms in Japan during your travels. The first one is the magical word sumimasen, which is one of the most useful Japanese phrases you ought to know. Sumimasen doesn't really have a direct translation per se. It depends on how it's used. And depending on the context, sumimasen can be anything from a sorry to a thank you, which is pretty bizarre. But the closest translation to help you understand its most common usages is excuse me. One common way to use it is to get someone's attention like passing through a crowd or calling the waiter over. Another common way of using it is when you want to apologize. You might think it's gomen nasai, which is correct, but some would say that sumimasen is the more formal version of gomen nasai. Others would disagree and say it's the casual version. Anyway, regardless of which usage, I think it's crucial to know this word, as it'll 100% help you out during your Japan trip. If you want to know more about this phrase, check out our Season 1, Episode 1, where we elaborate more on this phrase and three other useful Japanese phrases. Now on top of that, you might also want to consider learning the basics of Japanese. When going to any foreign country, it's no guarantee that everyone can speak English. In Japan, the first language is Japanese. And while the people here learn English in school, not everyone can speak it. To make your trip go more smoothly and just for the sake of convenience, learn basic Japanese or what I would call survival Japanese. Pick up a cheap Japanese learning book and learn how to introduce yourself, how to order, how to ask questions, and how to ask for directions. At the beginning, it's okay if you can't put a sentence together quickly. Just the basics like migi and hidari, to mean right and left, or dei desu ka, which is a question to ask if something is okay to do, can go a long way. Our Season 4, Episode 11, discusses at how to ask questions, even simple ones, in Japanese. Tune in to that quick, short episode. Or alternatively, you should subscribe to Nihon Master right now. We have the best of the best materials to help you learn Japanese. Plus, we have a free one-week trial. But hey, if you insist on using English, or you don't have time to brush up your survival Japanese, try your very best to speak slow and use basic words. I recommend adding gestures while you speak. Visual cues and basic words are a good combination to get your message across when there's a language barrier. Of course, it definitely helps if you know basic Japanese words as well. Like if you want to ask, is the toilet on the left? You can switch out some words to Japanese like, is the toilet at uh, hidari? Baby steps to mastering your Nihongo, am I right? So, these are the absolute minimal, essential Japanese etiquette that you should know when you travel to Japan. While these are general rules for travelers, 
it doesn't mean you should ignore them if you plan on living in Japan. In fact, you should know more than just these mannerisms. So stay tuned for the remaining episodes of this season. What didn't you know before this episode? And what have you learned about Japanese mannerisms in the past few minutes? Tell us your thoughts by commenting on our social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, head over to Nyongo Master Blog if you're interested in reading up on topics like these some more. And if you're keen on paying up some more Japanese for yourself, pop onto our official website, nihongomaster.com, to learn more. While you're at it, why not get yourself a subscription? Get a head start on your Nihongo journey with Nihongo Master. Thank you so much for listening in. Join me in the next one, where I'll be walking you down the avenue of Japan's rich culture. Mata ne! Nee.